Mental health challenges can take many forms. There's anxiety, depression, mood disorders, eating disorders, schizophrenia, post-traumatic stress disorder, and many more. Nearly one in five American adults will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. In the United States, almost half of adults will experience a mental illness during their lifetime. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley, where we probe some of the most important pressing ministry questions of our day. Until recent years, mental health was not as widely discussed or acknowledged as it is today. But in more recent times, the discussion around mental health has skyrocketed in the media, in film and television, and in the local church. Our guest today is one pastor who is part of bringing that conversation to the local church. Tim Rehnquist currently serves as the executive pastor at Deer Creek Church in Littleton, Colorado. He came to faith as a 19-year-old college student and became passionate about the local church. He graduated from Denver Seminary in 2015 with a Master's of Divinity degree. His primary responsibilities include helping oversee the staff, leading the strategic plan, and managing many of the operations of the church. He enjoys the process of seeing a vision becoming reality through practical implementation. Tim has been married to Laura for 10 years, and they have three girls. Welcome, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about Deer Creek Church and what your church is doing specifically to address mental health. Uh, Deer Creek Church is a local church here in Littleton, Colorado, and uh, we have been around for 32 years. So I, I like to say I was one year old when the church was planted. I wasn't a, a part of the plant, but uh, my wife and I have been involved for about the last nine years. And uh, something that we really value is uh, kind of a simple process of ministry that helps people grow by taking practical next steps. So a big piece of that for us is getting people into small groups. We like to say we are not a church with small groups, but we are a church of small groups. And uh, this, this small group semester, we have been really excited to launch out into kind of a mental health component around that. And uh, that's with something called uh, Overcome. This is a small group setting where people who either personally struggle with mental health challenges or who know someone, a friend, family member, neighbor, coworker who struggles with mental health and they wanna be a support to them, this is a, a small group setting for them so that they can process those challenges, get some practical skills, and uh, just learn what the Bible has to say about this topic of mental health. So is are the groups like um, differentiated? Like if you struggle with depression, you go to a certain group or maybe an eating disorder, go to a different group, anxiety, are they broken out according to that or is it just mental health as a whole? Yeah, so for the Overcome group, it really is kind of a gathered whole, a variety of topics, um, or a, variety, a variety of mental illness um, issues that are being addressed um, in that setting. And so they gather together and look at what does the Bible have to say about the challenges we face in life and, and what does Jesus have to offer to people who are really in the midst of this struggle. And they're, they're there to, to listen a lot and to support and encourage one another, regardless of kind of what the specific topic is they're, they're wrestling with. It's not meant to be a, a clinical setting. It's not, there's no professional there who's going to tackle that issue and, and kind of run it to ground for them. But it's meant to be a place where we can have real struggles and real challenges and process those together um, as a community of faith. So it's giving people an opportunity to sort of set aside these masks we tend to put on when we come to church. Absolutely. I've mentioned before on um, this show about a time I used to do Bible study to women who um, struggle with felony records down mm. in downtown Denver, and they were struggling to find employment, and we would do a weekly Bible study, 
And they would say on a regular basis, thank God we don't go to suburban churches because we would feel like we would need to have our act together. And God knows we don't have our act together. And they would laugh, but it's so true. I mean, whenever you go to church, a lot of times you feel like, wow, I need I need to have my act together to go to church. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we feel that in the suburbs. I mean, people have money. They have, they have nice houses. They have nice clothes. They have nice cars. And so it seems like everyone has it all together. But, but since really the planting of Deer Creek Church, again, I, I wasn't there when it happened. Um, in the Yellow Pages, when, when the Yellow Pages were extremely popular in, in 1987, um, there was a tagline in there that said, this is a church for people who aren't perfect and don't pretend to be. And so we really try and model that as a staff and, and elders and leaders in the church of, of we don't have it all together and we don't have it figured out. We are just as broken and just in need of Jesus as anybody who's here and anybody in the community. And if we can create an environment where that's the case, um, we think people will, will feel the freedom to say, hey, actually, I know it looks on the outside like I have a lot of things together but I really don't, and that and that's true of all of us. Um, but we have to kind of push against that idol of the the suburbs to right. say you, none of us have it all together, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. You know, when uh, me and my husband were newly married a long time ago, <laughs> eighteen years, we've been married. We would drive. We lived in Denver, and I worked for. New Life Ministries as an intake counselor. So I was doing the crisis line. Mm. And so I was hearing stories constantly, you know, of, you know, the people struggling with mental illnesses, people struggling with people who are dealing with mental illnesses. And, you know, in the evenings, Paul and I would drive around suburban Plano and I would say, Paul, look at all these pretty houses, all these pretty houses with their perfect manicured lawns. What's going on behind these doors? You know, and it's just so striking to know that, you know, I was on the other end of those phone calls listening to the trauma, but yet it looks like everyone has it together. It looks like they have the picture perfect life, but they may not have permission to show their weaknesses. Absolutely. In the absolute place they should. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so that's really what we're trying to create as a community here. All, uh, people are the same everywhere. Uh, the needs and the brokenness of people are the same everywhere. It can just be more hidden in the suburbs. And, and so we like to say, you know, it's really, uh, people think it's really interesting to try and plant churches in, you know, downtown or in urban areas where needs are very visible and prevalent and you can see them and feel them. Uh, but we say suburban people need Jesus too. And so um, some of our church planning efforts, we're, we're really trying to plant churches in the suburbs that have a similar DNA and a similar culture. Yeah, that's great. Well, to geek out, with you a bit on some statistics with mental health illness and the church. Here are some statistics that I found based, um, these were reported in Christianity Today by Ed Stetzer. It's a study conducted by Lifeway. Um, approximately three out of four pa Protestant pastors said they knew at least one family member, friend, or congregant who had been diagnosed with bipolar and a similar number with clinical depression. And 59% said they had counseled at least one person who was eventually diagnosed with an acute mental illness. And those are just a few of the statistics that are pretty staggering if you look at it. I mean, overwhelmingly, pastors believe that uh, churches should address mental health. Absolutely. They have a spiritual and a moral requirement to help people deal with their struggles. And yet, statistics show that... Pastors maybe address congregations on average less than one time a year. And so those are pretty staggering. And so I'm curious to know, 
you know, I work with several churches in the Denver metro area, and by extension, I, you know, am involved with several churches throughout the country um, through the uh, Young Adult Initiative. And Deer Creek is one of the only churches who actually is really targeting mental health. And so I would love to hear the story behind the development and the focus on mental health at your church. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lot of it comes out of kind of pastoral concerns and pastoral situations. My, uh, my second week on staff at the church, we did the funeral of uh, a high school girl who had committed suicide. Uh, I, w- I wasn't uh, on the pastoral staff yet, so I, I wasn't the one doing that funeral. Thankfully, I didn't have to take on that burden uh, right away, but, but we have done a, a couple of uh, those kinds of things. Uh, we've, we've experienced having to navigate suicide uh, with right. families, uh, depression, uh, bipolar, uh, anxiety, PTSD. These are just very real things that people are experiencing. And at a certain point, they're not really even able to hide them because it gets to such a place of crisis. And so pastorally, we just had to navigate that through the years um, as, as situations come up in the congregation. And, and we've really only had sort of short-term temporary solutions. So we're not able to meet with someone 50 times about yeah. a, something happening in their lives because of all the people in the congregation. Um, but we'll meet with them for pastoral counseling or refer them. Here in Denver, we have some really great counseling practices where people have you know, expertise in a given area that we can refer people to, and we'll often cover the, the full cost of that counseling. And so we had these kind of temporary solutions, but uh, these are uh, these are ongoing issues. Usually, they don't. There's no quick fix right. solution, and so uh, we didn't have kind of an ongoing community relational support structure for these people. Uh, the other thing that, that really uh, got us going on this was our, our church plant. Uh, Brett Weston is our, our church planter, and and he's been living in the city of Centennial. And really, uh, they've been there for three years. They've been getting to which know... Which is also a suburban church, yep, or, which, or suburban area. Yep, a suburban area close by um, our church, about seven miles away, I believe. And uh, as, as their kids were in school, they would have to navigate, um, you know, a, a classmate committing suicide. Yes. And they would have to navigate, you know, all of these these relational issues with their kids. How, how do their kids respond to this? What do they do with this? Brett started to meet with city officials, and they would say things like, he would say, how can we help as a new church in, in this city? And they continually talked about mental health. The mayor talked with him about mental health. He started to meet with business leaders, and they, this, this theme of mental health came up again and again and again. And so we just launched uh, the church plant uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, the church is called Elevate Hope Centennial. And uh, their, their goal is to bring the real and lasting hope of Jesus to Centennial and beyond. And, and it's, it's all in the context of these mental health concerns that are just so prevalent in, in the community, in the suburbs. And so all of those things together made us think we really need to have a more uh, developed approach to how do we support people experiencing mental health challenges. And so that's where we, we came up with the small group. Um, this, this is actually not something we created from scratch. It's something that was created by uh, a student I went to Denver Seminary with. His name is uh, Brandon Applehans, and he uh, created an organization called My Quiet Cave, and it's all around equipping the church to support people with, with mental health challenges. And so this is kind of their group uh, program um, that they've created that we're implementing at Deer Creek. And so all of those things together, we just, this is a huge need um, in our society. And, and we want to have just some really practical, tangible, ongoing support structures for people who are going to, in some cases, struggle with things for their whole lives. You know, that's, you know, 
really interesting. You know, you touched on several things that I want to to kind of pull pull the strings a little bit and um, develop a little bit more. I mean, first of all, you know, my husband is a therapist, and over time, he's become convinced that that while there is value in therapy and there's a role for that, that a lot of what is happening in the the therapist room could also be done within the local church Mm -hmm. and in the local body. And so it's interesting to me to hear you say, okay, we're not going to refer everybody out all the time. So do you view um, your ministry as a supplement to therapy or um, how do you distinguish the difference between what an individual congregant may need? Yeah, I, I think there are definitely situations or times when, when therapy or some sort of immediate response um, is extremely helpful and, and, and necessary. Um, kind of in those crisis moments, uh, kind of a, a, a wise, trained response to, to help them get at least initial perspective um, is extremely helpful and needed. And, and oftentimes we as pastors, we're just not even equipped for that. We, we sort of um, need to know our role um, if we're getting into very specific mental health issues, we, we haven't even been trained for that. So we can offer perspective and things, but, but beyond that, we, we do think there's a role for kind of a therapy-type dynamic. But, but beyond that, once people are out of that initial crisis, you know, they need friends. They right. need encouragement. Yes. They need someone who's going to bring them a meal or someone who's going to send them a text message or give them a call and just say, how are you doing? And, and we want our congregation to have the joy of ministering to people in that way. We don't need to hoard that as pastors and say, we're going to handle all of the issues for everyone. So our small groups, really, we've built them out to, to be a, a care structure as well. So we say, you know, like in a marriage group, if you have an argument with your spouse, don't call me. Call, you know, if, it, if it's the man Small who's group. saying this, call someone in your group and say, hey, we just had this really big argument. Would you pray for me? Now, if, if you're having a marriage crisis, yes, absolutely reach out to us and we want to dive into that with you. But there's a lot of care that can happen in a church, in the Christian community, just with friends who are, are just there for you. They're not experts in anything except just being there. In life. In life, absolutely. So, so we, want to, we want to equip people and help them to, to do that. Um, when they can, because that that really is more beneficial than sitting down with me or one of the other pastors for an hour. Um, well, you know, it, you know, it sounds like your leadership structure is interesting and and different in two ways. First of all, you lead from weaknesses, or at least you have a transparent type of leadership um, structure in which you say, "Okay, I don't have it all together. I don't have this pretty, perfect, polished image." I am, I have flaws and, you know, I struggle sometimes too. And so you're leading from that place of transparency, that authentic type of leadership that, that people are craving today. And then you're also um, looking towards equipping and empowering the body of Christ to, to utilize their gifts as well, rather than having to shoulder the burden as the pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dwayne, our senior pastor has really modeled this very well to, to a lot of us who are we're younger in ministry. He planted the church 32 years ago. And he says, um, if you don't share your weaknesses, if you're not proactive about sharing your weaknesses as a leader, people will put you up on a pedestal. And, and the problem with that is it's not real. Like you're not, Absolutely. you are not the person they have built you up to be. And so the only place you have to go from there is down. 
Yeah. When, when the reality of who you are starts to, you know, be understood by people. And so, so that's just been so awesome to, to learn and grow in. And so he said, you need to systematically as a leader, share your weaknesses so that people can understand it and, and they resonate with that and realize you're just like them. We all need Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And, and we're here to serve him and, and follow him together. Yeah. You, you know, we have seen so many examples of that in recent times of leaders falling, falling down, you know, because of various challenges that they've struggles that they've been hiding from for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And that's just because they have not been accountable. They've not been forthcoming about their weaknesses. And maybe they felt like they had to project an image of perfection and power in order to lead a congregation well. And that is actually not the case. That's actually a weakness. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus says, uh, for when we are, um, uh, Paul said, uh, when we are weak, we are strong. And and really that is, that's the kingdom dynamic. It's the upside down nature of Jesus' kingdom. It actually our our weakness allows Jesus to work through us and in us. Another thing that you mentioned that I want to come back to is the, you know, you have mentioned suicide several times. Mm -hmm. And I have been you know, reading statistics, you know, as I try to document broader culture and, and understand what's happening in the broader culture at large, what we're seeing among young adults, especially, is an increase in suicide and a decrease in homicide. Mm. So there's a flipping where we we may go um, to our rooms and where we used to gather together in social settings and we're by ourselves. And then that loneliness you know, leads to people mm -hmm. to suicide. At least that's part of the theory. So have you seen an increase in mental health issues since you've been a pastor? Is that been, or have you noticed a rise or has yeah. it just been steady? Yeah, I, I think uh, I was thinking about this. Um, when I first became a, a follower of Jesus, um, I was a volunteer uh, kind of youth leader, just uh, just a part of a local church. And, and that's really where I, I first experienced ministry and became passionate about the local church. And, and I don't remember nearly the number of issues in the youth group uh, that I was just a volunteer at as, as we're dealing with now. Um, we probably have one mental health hold situation among teenagers, young adults uh, every year, uh, where wow. someone is on a 72-hour mental health hold. Um, we're, we're dealing with gender issues, sexuality issues, uh, mental health issues on a level that even five years ago we weren't. And so there's, there's def definitely, in my experience, a, a rise in, in all of those kinds of, of issues among, among young adults and, and teenagers, for sure. Yeah, I um, spent some time, you know, I don't watch a lot of television, and so I have done that as part of my job. I'll dive into some TV shows, and I was watching... Uh, this summer, I was watching a show at my in my office at Denver Seminary called Euphoria on HBO. And in this show, it has, you know, it consolidates so many of the different mental health challenges of today. You have abuse, sexual abuse and assault. You have um, opioid overdose. You have addiction to other types of substances. You have gender and sexuality fluidity. And I'm sitting here watching this show and just feeling this, this, um, desolation of the soul mm. at this is a reflection of our culture or at least somebody's idea of our culture and then i stop the show and i go pick up my kids at vbs and the culture shock was enormous mm. and i was struck as a leader and as a mom thinking 
how am I going to help pastors bridge the gap between where the culture is going, where it's hurtling towards, and where we need to minister to them and where we're at 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 the church? How are we going to bridge that gap? And then how am I going to do that as a mom? Mm -hmm. How am I going to equip kids? How am I going to shelter them from the darkness and yet let them know, yes, there is a darkness out there that that's very real Absolutely. and it will it, it it happens to people i mean it, it mental health illnesses will happen to one in four people mm-hmm. on the average in any given year so um it's a serious issue that i think is important to address in the church but i would like to know why you think that um, mental health has been so stigmatized you know it's been stigmatized in the uh broader culture we haven't wanted to talk about it and but it's also stigmatized in the church i mean like we mentioned earlier we put on these masks why do you think that it is so stigmatized yeah i think there's a a generational dynamic Uh, i'm in my early 30s and, and growing up as a kid i never really heard anyone mention mental health or or even mention like going to a counselor that was like sort of unheard of, at least in, in my childhood, growing up in the Midwest. Then uh, I was just trying to think about this. I don't know of anyone that I'm close to who hasn't been to counseling yes. in this generation. And so there's just a, a generational piece there, I think, that, that the stigma is more and more going away as, as a, a new generation has a different perspective on these things. I also think in the church, we have a deficient view of sin. So uh, we often think of sin is a problem that causes a rift between me and God. And so it breaks that relationship, God and, and me, which is absolutely true. And, and Jesus came to, to fix that, to, to forgive us of our sins and reconcile us to God. But, but I also think, you know, Scripture teaches that sin breaks our relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. It breaks creation and, and it affects us profoundly physically because yes. we're going to die um, that you know that's the ultimate physical effect but but it also affects us emotionally and mentally sin has broken everything in god's creation it affects every single part of us it, it affects us mentally as well and so i think we don't really talk often in those kinds of terms it's it's often uh, sin is discussed as breaking our relationship with god and that's what we need to fix but i think sin has all of these other kinds of effects as well and so this is just a part of living in a fallen world. We, we will die. It, our relationship with God, you know, was, was damaged and, and, you know, Jesus will forgive us our sins and restore that relationship. But also our, our, our mental states are affected by the fall. And, and I don't think we talk about that enough or make that clear enough to people. And so it feels like, hey, um, I have this issue. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I shouldn't have this issue. Yeah, when I in reality, be perfect. I, I should have this together, and and no one's ever uh, explained to people. I, I don't think that that sin is so destructive, which makes it worse. Whenever you say, "Oh gosh, you know, I should have it all together," and yet I don't, and so then there's this nowhere cycle. to go with that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my final question for you is, you know, how do you think that the church is going to benefit? You know, if you're thinking about, you can think about, you know, your local church at Deer Creek. And then, you know, the universal church at large, how would they benefit by bringing 
a focus on mental health rather than just we're constantly referring out to therapists. How can we, how can the, uh, the local church benefit with a discussion around that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the more it's discussed, the less of a stigma there is, uh, the more that, that pastors nationally and, and, uh, you know, where, where it fits locally are sharing their own journey. Um, I think that removes some of the stigma from it, uh, which, which frees people up then to actually pursue what does it look like to be healthy in these ways uh, because it's being discussed and there isn't a stigma around it. I also think there's a, a fantastic opportunity for the gospel uh, when it comes to mental health. Um, this, this is something I think we, we can forget, but our world is very broken. And uh, I was uh, talking to an 80-year-old in our church yesterday and I, I love to, to listen to older people because they've experienced so much life. And he said, you know, um, our world is so broken. And he said, you know, I am getting older and my health is failing. And, you know, my kids, in some ways I love where they're at. In other ways, I wish things were different. And our world is so, so broken. Um, but, but Jesus is the answer to our brokenness. He, he's the answer to all of our problems, including our mental health problems. Um, right now, he promises to be with us, and, and one day he actually promises to fix everything that's wrong with this creation, with us, with our relationships to each other, and our relationship to him will be fully restored and fixed, and uh, there will be no pain. There will be no crying or tears or mourning in the new heavens and the new earth. So I think we have a hope now um, as we process these things, and, and we have an encouragement for a future hope as well. Yeah, as we walk through a broken world, we can fix our hearts on that hope and that promise. Thank you so much, Tim, for being with us. Thanks for having me. If you're struggling today with some type of mental health issue, maybe you're depressed or anxious, or maybe you suffer from post-traumatic stress from an uh, assault, from war, whatever you may be dealing with, you're not alone. There are people that are ready and willing to help you in the local church. And, you know, I encourage you just to reach out and Talk to someone in your local community about opening up a dialogue about mental health in in your local church specifically and in the congregation in which you are living. Thank you so much for listening to Christian Curious. This is Dr. Haley. I love to hear from listeners. You can email me at drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. Thank you and have a great day.